Welcome to Inspired Artist Podcast with me, Porter Singer. I have the pleasure of speaking to a fellow podcaster today. She is the host of Maya, My Yoga Audio. I was just on her podcast and um, now she gets to be on mine. So we're doing a little fun podcast switch. So Megan Morgan is a yoga teacher, writer, artist, and mom to two daughters. And she's been practicing yoga for over 20 years. Um, she actually contacted me after I was on her podcast. And this was something that really intrigued me. She has published a book called The End of Me in 2019 that is an autobiographical memoir about the three times she has died, what she saw and what she learned. So I'm assuming we will talk at length about that because that sounds very, very intriguing. Megan graduated from the University of Toronto in 2009 with a degree in art and art history. She moved to San Francisco where she completed her MFA in photography at the San Francisco Art Institute in 2012. And then a year later, she moved to California full time. In 2020, she launched the podcast Maya, my yoga audio, to bring audio only yoga practice, meditation, creativity, and wellness oriented interviews to listeners all over the world. All right, well, let's get into this podcast, Megan. Here we go. All right, we did it. <laughs> oh, it's technology. Thank you. Yeah, you know, I have an excuse, it's a good one. Um, I am doing this new practice called soul attunement. Have you heard of this SoulAttunement.org. And mm. oh, I was not expecting it to like, just be this like wiping me out, but it's like a five minute practice that you do in the morning. You don't hear anything. You're like supposedly receiving downloads from the soul collective. And I feel myself like vibrating through this practice of like five minutes of complete silence. It's like really trippy. And then I noticed yesterday I got super dehydrated because they tell you to drink a lot of water, which I didn't listen to. So definitely if you're going to go do that, drink a lot of water. And then today I'm just feeling super tired. So a lot of cleansing is happening and they do warn you about that. But I, I wasn't really prepared for that given like five minutes of silence. <laughs> so. I'm intrigued. I'm going to be looking that up after this. <laughs> well, maybe you've experienced something similar. I mean, or like, I don't know, like a similar sort of like vibrational, you know, shift being that you have died three times that <laughs> it's probably a little bit more intense than what I'm experiencing. <laughs> At least the integration of it. I'm assuming like the dying part is not the difficult part. We'll talk about it. Would say that's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, can you, can you, I mean, I really don't know how to ask you questions about a death experience and you, you call it a death experience. You don't call it a near death experience because it, it was. Death, I, right? I, I realized that the term is NDE near death experience and I knew nothing about them beforehand. Um, and I started researching it many years later, like 20 years later, it was kind of like a secret for a long time. I just told very close friends and family because, uh, it's an odd thing, um, <laughs> to experience. And they were com three completely separate, um, types of incidences. I don't have a 
I spoke publicly about it once and people came up to me afterwards and said, do you have like a heart condition? Do you have something that like predisposes your heart to stop? I said, no, it was three totally different times in my life, three totally different um, incidences. And I didn't realize actually how common it was until I started researching it. And in 20, I wanna say it was in 2018 or 2020, there was more than 8 million um, incidences of recorded NDEs through this institute of Americans alone. Like oh. just Americans, it wasn't even worldwide. And Wait, give me that number one more time. Million. Holy moly. Okay. I wasn't prepared for that. No, I read this other book called, so this is a funny story for anyone listening who is like more curious about this. There is my book, but when I approached the, the editor that I hired to help me edit the book in like 2016, we worked on it for a couple of years. She asked me if I'd ever heard of Anita Morjani. I said, no, I haven't. She said, you have to read that book. It's called Dying to Be Me. I was like, oh, Ooh, that that's a great cool. title. <laughs> He's been through it. She had like um, end stage cancer and, and, and uh, you know, went through the whole fit and then wrote her book about it. I kid you not. Two, so that was like a Friday. It was either Saturday or Sunday of that same weekend. I went, I actually went, it was a local thrift store. So I was donating some clothes to the local thrift store, brought them in. Then I'm like, oh, I'm going to go in and look at the books. <gasps> I, I walk in and there, is, like the first book I saw was Anita Morjani's Dying to Be Me. And so I'm like, okay, this is like a sign. And so I'd already written like a half, a quarter at least, or a third of the book, of my own book. So I'm like, this this feels like a sign. So I bought it, completely tore through it. It's fantastic. She gets like quoted and talked about everywhere. So I was like, okay. Like I, I just felt more confident going forward with my own story having written. She mentions this institute, which I can't remember in this moment, um, where she found out the same thing, that this experience is actually way more remarkably common than we might think. People just don't talk about it a ton because they don't want to be perceived as having mental illness or you know what I mean like oh whatever. that kind of makes me mad yeah yeah oh like oh that yeah wow but I guess yeah I mean I guess if yeah it's it's a kind of a vicious circle if nobody's talking about it then it seems weird and so nobody talks about it so it seems yeah mm -hmm. yeah it's it kind of perpetuates the whole thing or people who just say it's like it's religious right um, or say it's just biological it's just your brain like giving you these, that everybody sees similar things because the brain is doing these certain things. I don't think anybody knows definitively for sure, but right. there, is, there is a commonality amongst all experiencers of coming back and, and completely taking out a new lease on life. Mm. And being like, well, I see things totally differently now. Most experiences are overwhelmingly positive. I found a, a podcast a couple of years ago where they interviewed people who had negative experiences and felt like they went to a version of quote unquote hell or purgatory oh. or whatever um, you want to call it. But most users don't have that. But that was a whole new thing for me. I didn't really want to stay in that place of researching that because that wasn't my yeah. experience. But um, yeah, in the first instant, and I go into like great detail in the book, but in the first experience, I was in my very early 20s. And I was swimming in Lake Huron. I'm from uh, 
actually I'm from everywhere, but this was in Canada. I spent most of my life in Canada. And so I was, could see the United States. I could see Michigan from um, where we were. And I was swimming in Lake Huron on a very rough lake day and was overwhelmed by the water. And I'm a pretty good swimmer, but I just got overtaken by a wave and slammed into like a metal um, barrier oh. and consciousness. But from that moment, like from hitting the metal barrier and sinking down to the bottom of the lake, it was like, I'm just looking up through the water and can see the sun. And the sun turned into like a brighter, brighter light. And a lot of experiencers talk about that, seeing this bright light at the end of the tunnel. It's almost like a cliche, but that's what happened. And I mean, I was 19. I have to think back now. Yeah, I was still a teenager technically rising towards the top of the um, the water and thinking, oh, I'm just like floating up, but I wasn't. And just went on to have this completely bizarre experience. So my biological parents died when I was little. My mom was killed in a car accident when I was seven months old. And then my dad died of a heart attack um, at the Toronto airport when I was four. And so in between those times, I remember my dad a little bit, I don't remember my mom at all. Um, in between those times, he would come up to visit, but I stayed with my maternal grandparents in Canada who eventually adopted me. Oh, okay. And so when I'm like going up through this tunnel and then suddenly my mother appears, but oh. it's like, not my mother, how I remember her, cause I don't remember her, but from pictures. So she was like in her wedding dress mm. and she's in the water and she's floating up and she was like kind of mad. It was like, you're not supposed to be here. <laughs> like, and I'm like I'm caught up in the moment of like wanting to connect with her like what do we like mom you know literally it's, it was kind of sad um but then beyond her I could see that's funny because I could see your background um like your folding screen of, of your room there and it was a lot like that it was kind mm. of just this beautiful wooded area and you could hear plates tinkling and forks and knives and people talking and laughing and I could see relatives like who had already passed on and it just took a second for it to sink in that everybody I was looking at was people who were no longer alive because they were having a great time <laughs> I was like I want to go to that I want to be with those people I want to be with you and so I started arguing with my mom Oh, this is sort of like a, a funny teenage experience, actually. Absolutely. She was just like, <laughs> and like physically prevented me from going forward. I was so mad, even talking about <laughs> mad again. Um, but like, and then you, it's hard to describe, but you come, I came back and it was like, again, I'm like rising suddenly very quickly to the surface of the lake. And my boyfriend at the time had caught up to me like, carried me to the beach but I'm like watching this from the sky I'm like not in my body I'm watching it from above and he's oh. doing things to try to like make me breathe and so it's it's like a flip-flop between being in my body and watching from above but then when the water comes out like the water that was in my lungs and it's it was awful feeling and sensation is just like the throwing up feeling is never a great feeling I don't think in anybody's body um but then after that water came out, you think, oh, it's relief, right? You're going to feel air. And it felt 
painful. It was like pain body. So that's when I realized, oh, when I'm in this other place, I don't feel any pain, mm. uh, no suffering. And here's all these great people, this beautiful landscape. That's where I want to be. It was so difficult. And anyway, he was like, <laughs> I started, you know, kind of mumbling hysterically about what had happened. He was like, okay, <laughs> you just had a rough experience, but we're not talking about this. We're talking crazy talk. And I literally didn't say anything for years because it was just this, like, I didn't know how to deal with it. Didn't know who to talk to about it and kind of left it. And um, the second experience. Um, well, can I ask you about that one first? Did, do you, cause you've gone through several at this point and I'm sure you've had time to integrate like you didn't at that point. Do you feel like it, it was actually your mother that prevented you or you, it just wasn't your time to die and you had to kind of like, there had to be a character that was gonna send you back? That's a good point. That's, it's pro you're probably right because based on what happened, what happened, sorry. Um, yeah, that's up, that somebody had to be there to like interrupt and mm -hmm. let me know. And I had a complete stranger once um, who obviously was very in tune. I would say psychic, you know, using quotation marks. Complete stranger in a mall that I just happened to be talking to. And he said, they just, he just like out of the blue said, they said, and it wasn't about this experience, it was about the um, second experience. Um, they sent somebody that you would know and recognize and, and listen to because when you're in that space, you're just so overwhelmed with the magnetic pull of what that feels like, that pain-free body, that you're not gonna listen to any reason unless there's somebody really significant there telling you to, to, to hold up. So whether it was actually my mother, I'm choosing to believe that, but I'm yeah, also- yeah. Well, I mean, it, it could be both too. Like it could actually have been her and she just knew to play that role or, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, it definitely was actually her. She's actually, I don't know. That's my, that's my opinion. <laughs> that's my strong opinion. It's like my only memory of her. So it's like <laughs> the one that I can run to, but I recognize yeah. that's an emotional limitation, right? But that, you know, if there's guys or angels or whatever out there, they're going to send somebody you're the most likely to respond to and that you're, you're going to see and, um, yeah, try to make sense of and, and be able to integrate it a little better than somebody you've never seen before in your life. Like they say today, <laughs> I love that, but they say that you never see anyone in your dreams that you've never seen or known in real life. But I have a dream often where I'll see people I'm like I don't but ever since I learned that I'm like where did I is it just someone I saw on the street one day and then somehow they're in my dream and I don't know who they are that like surprises me because mm -hmm. I don't feel like I recognize the faces they, it's usually like a familiar feeling of a person but I don't usually yeah they never look like they're supposed to but maybe that also comes from like living multiple lives and knowing people is looking different ways Mm -hmm. Yep, I believe that too. Wow, that's cool. Okay, so second. <laughs> oh, unless you had something else you were about to say. Oh, it was like the multiple lives thing, but I, I, I believe in that too. And in the sense, especially like you meet people and you feel like you've known them your whole life. And then there's a few people where I'm like, 
I know, like, mm. I absolutely know that I've known them before this time. And I don't know how I know that, but I'll have a dream or like a meditation, something that's like, it's not from this time. It's like older time. And it just feels so familiar. And you can even just accept it as that, like this person mm. feels so familiar and I've known them before. And we're, we're meant to finish something out in this lifetime. And it doesn't have to be more complicated <laughs> than that. Um, but I do truly believe that just because I feel like there's people that you meet sometimes. It's like my, my current part, my husband. We've been together for 27 years married, but we were together for years, like 30 years. Um, and it was instant knowing, like on both of our parts. And we didn't talk about it in those terms at all until maybe the last 10 years but it's because we're just like we're so we've lived more time alive with each other now <laughs> than we did before we met and I think you're just your intuition gets stronger the older you get and the more you get to know people but I felt that with friends too like women friends that I've met over the years total stranger and I go and I meet them at an event and we'll just look at one another and say like I know you from somewhere that's impossible because I just moved here from Canada I just moved here from LA we have no connection but like we do and we're like we're not going to get bungled up and what that means just that we're <laughs> friends and it's a good thing and I feel that way about you as yeah. well yeah it's being our, our second conversation really but I feel this connection to you um and that we were meant to meet so yeah yeah that's really cool yeah i totally believe that i feel sometimes like there are themes when in terms of people like you meet the same kind of per there's like a certain type of person that comes and plays like a similar role at like different stages of your life yes. too do you have that there was that's one of your podcast episodes i think i think it was yours where they were you were interviewing somebody and you go into a setting and you choose people to be on your team and then it's like one person plays your metaphorical. Oh, Nina. Yeah. 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 Uh, family constellations. Yes. Yeah. It's a that therapy practice. So cool. And I have heard of that. I've not participated in it, but I was like, oh, that was <laughs> so cool. I feel like that, that would be really mind opening. And yeah. 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 I haven't either. But yeah, it does mm -hmm. sound cool. Mm -hmm. So second one. The second one. So we were living in Calgary, Alberta, which is 30 minutes out, um, outside of Banff, the Rocky Mountains. And I actually have a friend who is from Calgary, but I've never been, but I'm familiar. So great. So great. We lived there for five years. And so my, we had our first daughter by then. So my second daughter was being uh, born. And Things happened very quickly. It was like two weeks, three weeks actually almost before her due date. And I, I kind of knew my first daughter was born very quickly, six hours for her first birth. Wow. And I was like, oh, something's happening. We got to call the doula. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, okay, I'm on my way over. Just get in the bathtub and like, you know, we'll get things moving. We had planned to have a hospital birth. I wanted to give birth at home. Um, she got stuck in the what the timing was. She got stuck in rush hour. She's like, I'm not sure I'm going to be there. And I'm like, this <laughs> coming right now. So long story short, she was born in 45 minutes at home. Um, 45 minutes? 
<laughs> yeah, that was a very, very quick transition. So she she made it in the door right as as um, she was making her way out. So it was we got to that um, moment, and I I'm guessing biologically because things happen so fast. Um, I started hemorrhaging, and it just and I knew it. I could feel that something was really wrong and I kept saying I can't breathe I'm cold they had me in like boiling hot water in the shower and I'm like can't I can't breathe so anyway get out of the shower and they were trying to help me out and everything just like went black so from my point of view we're stepping out of the restroom everything goes black and when I open my eyes I'm in a hospital on a gurney and people are rushing by and I'm like oh yeah that makes sense like that kind of <laughs> and my dad who as you know now died when I was four shows up and he was literally like <laughs> like what 1970s dad like cool dads on tv and he had like a leather jacket on and a turtleneck and like a big afro and he same thing he's like you're not supposed to be here what are you doing here and he's like all frantic and I'm like dad <laughs> I'm talking and I'm like you have another granddaughter and da, 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 you know trying to connect with them and he's like stay here and I'm like I can't move. I'm on the journey like I can't go anywhere and he runs down the hall and he brings back this whole team of it was so loud he brings this whole team of doctors and he's like you got to send her back you got to send her back and they all start working on me and again I was mad I'm arguing with him saying let me just talk to you for a second this is what's happening he's like you're not supposed to be here you have to go back and next thing I know I wake up I can um, like feel chest compressions being mm. done, but I'm looking at myself from above. And so I can see our doula, Kimberly, and my husband like over me in the, on the bed in our bedroom. And I'm like, well, that's weird. Cause like I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't feel any pain really. And again, in this place where I should be in pain, but I don't really feel the pain, but I can see them working on me. It was sort of interesting. And then I'm back in my body and I open my eyes and my husband's a beautiful shade of brown, but he was like a shade of green on the wall. <laughs> and he was actually, he was slapping my face, not, not in like violence, but just, um, and I can see the doula is like doing the chest compression. And it's so bizarre. So you're not actually at the hospital. You, you're still, still at the house. Okay. And uh, she was like, okay. Her eyes are open. It was so disjointed. And anyway, when breath came back into my body, I don't remember if I put this in the book or not. It felt like um, swollen glass. Like the pain of wow. taking breath was like, <gasps> it's it was awful. But anyway, everybody was very relieved. <laughs> I was very confused. And they're like, yeah, you need to go to the hospital because this your heart stopped and like, this is, this is, everybody was kind of in a, in a panic. And I was just like, absolutely not. Like, I'm so terrified right now. <laughs> this happened and I probably should have listened to reason, but um, I didn't. I just wanted to be home. I was just like, I, I've just been through this thing. And yeah. the very last thing I want to do is go to a, a hospital. Like, if I'm going to go, I'm going to go. And um, yeah, that was that was truly bizarre. It was quicker. It was a quicker trip than um, the first incident. And yeah, again, with my dad and like, <laughs> it was like Shaq. It kind of looked like Shaq. <laughs> His dress, he looked super cool. 
I was very concerned and um, yeah. And so then, so that's when Jesha was born and then. Well, so are you going to move on to your third? Cause I have some questions. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, do you feel, I mean, that I think that was super cool that you like knew exactly what you wanted to do afterwards. But I'm, I'm also wondering if like you'd had this experience before and now you had not the same, but like a similar experience. Like, I mean, how much create, like how much credit are you really going to give like a medical team at this point? Like, was that part of it? Like, I just died. What are you going to do? <laughs> it's amazing how people respond because even afterwards we had trouble registering her birth because they're like, it's automatic on the form. What hospital was she born at? Well, she really? wasn't. Oh, is that a Canadian thing? Maybe. I think in the U.S. it's not that. It's not that hard. They were just like, "What do you mean she wasn't born in a hospital?" Well, a doctor had to be presenting. So my doctor actually did. I was so lucky. My doctor oh. did come to the house because she knew, like her, that she knew the doula. She was the one who had recommended her to me. So she knew she would have to come to the house oh. um, to provide that signature. But I wouldn't have known that. Like. I had no, the plan was to have the hospital birth, right? It's just not how it, we couldn't have made it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you can't be the only one. I'm sure they, they oh, exactly. this. Yeah. yeah. It just, but it's interesting how it really put a spin in things. And they're like, well, did you plan this? And, da, 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 and they like accusing you, right? And I'm like, oh no. my gosh, really? Yeah. Was just, that like days later or was that, was that the same day that all this just happened? I was like two weeks later. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's not even gonna, we didn't even have her car seat, <laughs> but it was like, cause she was so early. Um, and at nine pounds, thank God she was early. Whoa. So, more tall, like I'm 5'11". Um, my husband's, he's the same height actually. Okay. And so we've never had like teeny tiny babies, but she like, well, was, was bigger than the, the first. So wow. we, really, we couldn't even, have brought her home from the hospital because we had the correct legal car seat to bring her home at the time. But anyway, what were your other questions? No, I think that was, that was pretty much it. I was just, I was wondering about the, just, you know, cause I think when, when we experience spiritual things or when we experience like the healing of something that's not due to like a medicine, but it's due to like, you know, I don't know, different food or affirmations or what, you know, whatever um, it, it does give kind of a different, you have kind of a different relationship to the medical community. Not that you don't ever want to use them, but that there's, there's limitation, you know, you understand that there's limitation there and that, yeah. How powerful you are. Like when my doctor actually showed up, I guess I could say it now because it's 25 years later, <laughs> <laughs> but like for all intents and purposes, and I'm not saying her name, but for all intents and purposes, she showed up after the birth but really she got there at the same time as as the doula but the, the doula helped do the birth because of the legal requirements but i remember her saying to me and at this time at that time there was like this massive flooding going on and like i want to say it was like eastern africa and there was this story that had gone viral at the time um so yeah it was the year 2000 of this woman who'd been trapped in a tree while these floods were going on and she went into labor and gave birth by herself in a tree with a raging flood below her 
And I remember the doctor looking at me and she's like, if a woman can bring <laughs> a flood in monsoon season and wherever it was, like you can do this too. And I was just like, yeah, like how, how powerful that is, <laughs> you know, embrace the strength of your body. So I was like, oh, I'll always remember that moment. Um, and the other thing that was interesting leading up to this, both my daughter's names, I dreamt them before they were born. But in this case, my name this, was dreamt. That's right. That's yeah. right. Oh, you know that. Yeah, I totally said that on my podcast. <laughs> I love it. So see, we're connected there again. Yeah. <laughs> and the second instance, I also dreamt the circumstances of her birth, which turned out to be true. So I dreamt I was reading a newspaper and I see this picture of a baby that did look like her when she was born. And it said her name. Like this is, but her, her name could be interpreted as like, male or, or female so at the time I didn't know what what that meant and um but the circumstances of her birth were also that she was born with um, the cord around her neck and it was kind of this tense thing it didn't say she was born at home but it said and that's actually what happened so when she first came out and it was like even 45 minutes was fast it was not <laughs> and they were like oh there's a cord there we just need to like unhook that and go around and I'm like oh I totally dreamt that this was going to happen. Oh, neat. Sometimes we know these things. So it was yeah. like, there was this death experience. And my poor husband, I think he was just terrified, right? That if I actually did go, he's going to be left without me, left with a newborn and a three-year-old. Yeah. It was super scary for him, um, which I acknowledge now. At the time, I, I couldn't because I was so wrapped up in what happened. But Yeah. So did you tell him about the experience? Did he? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, he like understood or he believed you. Yeah. He was just like, thank you for not staying there. And I was like, <laughs> well, dad is not going to let me. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was time to go. And both of them had like, you know, a few words. They were just like, you it's not just that you have to go back, but it was like, you have a life to live. You have children mm. to raise. Like, you have to do. And I used to think it was like, oh, there's just some big, like, overarching, super important thing that I have to do. Mm. And I'm I'm less convinced of that now. And it's more just like the little ways that mm. our lives make a difference for other people and like how we can teach and how we can continue to learn and grow and evolve like communally. Yeah. But well, I'm not going to let you minimize that, actually. <laughs> I don't think that what you do is small. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I, I don't, I've been thinking about this. It's like, how, you can't quantify how, cause you touch people, you're, you're connecting with people when they listen to your podcast and when you teach a class or even at your work or with your daughters or like, that's, that's hugely impactful. Like, or I don't know, or I think we have this kind of distorted image of what meaning has to do because of like media now, like it doesn't have to be viral to be important, right? That's a good point. Anyway, it's a little pep talk for myself too. <laughs> it's true. There's actually, oh, what is the term she used? Um, Shannon Thompson, I interviewed her. She's the head of Shakti Rising, which is a nonprofit organization that I volunteer with sometimes. And she came on. And one of the questions I had asked her, like, who are some of your like famous, infamous, non-famous 
mentors like who do people need to learn from and she went off onto this whole thing and she's like i would argue we like we need to hear more about the people who are not going viral who are not mm. you know always in the headlines because people are doing such important work mm. every day and like that gets minimized in in light of like what you were just saying it mm. doesn't have to be a viral moment to be important so Oh, that just made me think too of like just what we focus on in general, because when we like what we make big, like what is news is like all like the minuscule crappy stuff that's happening in like these select places around the world. And there's so much good stuff happening everywhere that's like not worthy in air quotes of being reported. Like I was what we were watching this really cute show with um, Eugene Levy called The Reluctant Traveler. Have you have you seen this? it's really cute but the second episode takes place in costa rica and he just happens to mention this fact and i was like what why haven't i heard this before it's like they they've reforested like five million trees in costa rica in the past 10 years or something i mean something like that like that's that's a big deal that's that's newsworthy No, because everywhere else is burning and flooding and you know but i feel like there's stuff there's like stuff being done about these things that we don't hear about so you always hear of like the it's awful but like yeah there's like people like people are doing stuff <laughs> what sells the stories right it's yeah. always the negative news bites. yeah so hard to swallow <laughs> oh we went down we went down a rabbit hole with that yeah okay so <laughs> so third third one um the third one and this one was probably the most um, the strangest one of all. So the, the girls were in, my eldest was in school, was in kindergarten. The youngest was still in um, like day home care because she was still a toddler. I drove them to school and daycare and I'm on my way to work. It's the day after my 28th birthday <laughs> and I'm driving in a snowstorm in Cambridge, Ontario, Canada, which is actually kind of a little snow belt area probably trying to think for people listening it's like two and a half hours southeast of toronto um and so i'm driving to work and i had a stick car that saved my life a subaru forester at the time <laughs> so i'm coming down off the off-ramp and i was just shifting into third gear and it's snowing like i mean you can barely see and the car just started to like spin, like you're on that ride at the fair, you know, it's like the half eggshell that just goes around. Ooh, that's yeah. Like, so I'm like, okay, I'm on the on-ramp, like, but I can't see anything. So I'm spinning, 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 and I come to a stop. And I like look up and I just see white everywhere. So I'm like, well, I must be on the side of the road, thank God. No, I was in the middle of the highway and a uh, two tanker truck carrying milk. Oh small things just t-bones right into my the passenger side in the middle and so that's all like I look up I'm like oh it's so, it's so quiet right because it was so quiet I'm on the side of the road all's good <laughs> and it was like the grill of this truck and the sound of that like that's for sure a PTSD uh thing that I still deal with I hate movies that do like sudden car crashes because it literally <sighs> I know that it's like a gotcha moment in the movie, but it kind of takes me back to that. I have real compassion for, you know, war vets and, 
people who've been through those kinds of experiences because it does it sets it it takes me back to that moment mm. every time and so but I remember seeing the size of the girl and the speed of the truck and thinking well <laughs> there's no way I'm living through this like <laughs> Um, crazy so so hold on pause in that moment is that just sort of like an acceptance moment or like a total fear moment or yeah initially fear right you're like oh and then but then I immediately accepted I'm like there's no way I can survive this like the mm. grill is two times taller than my car like I'm looking up through the sunroof and I can see this girl so but it's fast and so it's just roar metal glass whatever and everything went white this time actually instead of um black and i was like floating above the car mm. and i can see the car crumpled down i can see the truck and i'm like oh i can't and, oh god i swear to god this is what i thought i was like i can't believe i ever thought snow was cold because i'm like floating up there in the snow and i'm like it's so warm and it's so soft and it's sparkling uh-huh. everything's fine and i was like okay and then I just went through, this is another cliche, but it's so real. I went through the memory reel of life. So like every positive, amazing moment that I've ever experienced, riding my bike, marrying my husband, kissing my kids. Every happy moment just like plays on a continuous loop. Hmm. And I just kept floating higher and higher. And I was like, and I just, I had a moment of hesitation that was like, well, my mom died. Does this mean that I'm gonna die now and my kids aren't gonna have a mom either? And then I stopped rising. (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh, I don't don't wanna leave my kids. So nobody came from the outside. My parents didn't come, like another person didn't come. It was me rising to the moment and then saying, well, wait a minute, (laughs) this is where I'm really, supposed to be and then I started coming back down and then everything did go black and then I could hear the sound of crying and I was like oh I guess I'm at my funeral (laughs) (laughs) I looked outside and it was I was in the car back in the car again and the truck driver who had hit me had gotten out and it was like sobbing on the side of the road it was like the car was like this you know I was all crumpled up and so he thought I was dead and I was like it's okay (laughs) (laughs) it was just total mayhem so he ran back to his truck he's like I already called 911 but like I'm gonna tell him you're not dead because he thought I was dead so strange and then all these people stopped like so many people stopped there's a woman who was like a therapist she had this like this old Volvo and she like put the heat on that gave me a blanket and she gave me a cup of tea and I was just literally like wait so like you're not even hurt or like what what was your status but it wasn't like anything acute so mm. the right side of my body I feel like I'm gonna sneeze the right side of my body was totally bruised and all banged up and I was like limping but nothing was broken wow that's pretty amazing. The impact into the car was like basically right up to the driver's seat. So if anybody had been traveling with me, that wouldn't have been good. And then because of the impact, like my one daughter's car seat was all smashed in. So before I got out of the car, I was in the just sitting in the car waiting for the ambulance for a long time. 
And when the firefighters got there, they're like, where's your child? And because of like the head, I did have like a, a concussion and, but nothing like gaping wound or whatever. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Cause the car spun around, flipped over and it would have gone rolling down a hill, but there was like a cement um, barrier at the side of the highway. So I hit that and it stopped. Um, but they were like, where's your baby? And I'm like, and I couldn't, like in that moment, I couldn't remember the morning. So they- Oh God. <laughs> yeah complete complete terror and then they I was like wait no and then I remembered bringing them to school bringing them to the baby it's fine and they're like you need to go to the hospital oh my gosh. <laughs> so but the weirdest thing well not, maybe not the weirdest thing an additional weirdness to that day I called I actually had a cell phone called my husband at work and I got his voicemail I don't know what I said but he said he saved it for six months because he didn't know what was going on and it was clear something was very wrong. I was in hysteria. So he flew out of work and he worked in Toronto. So he was like a couple hours away in a snowstorm. <laughs> so when they finished- Wait, sorry, the, the, the voicemail you left before the accident. No, it was after the accident. After the, okay, after the accident. That's what, okay, sorry, I missed that. Called him from the accident, and I don't remember what I said. I really don't. I think I was just telling him I was in an accident, but he he just said you were like screaming and crying, and then like news media showed up, like <sighs> crashed. I want to make a statement. I was like I couldn't even talk. It's like no. So they cleared the accident. I I actually refused to go to the hospital, so I just went home. I really <laughs> I'm such a bad patient. Um, <laughs> Emily lived about four blocks from that that highway um, access point. So I was like, just drop me off at home. And they had just finished clearing my accident. And my husband was getting on the exit ramp to get off the highway, which was the same intersection where they had just cleared my accident. Mm. He got into an accident and totaled his car. No. News media people were there. And they featured a story on the news about a husband and wife involved in a car crash at the same intersection in the same afternoon. And we didn't even know it yet. Like, I didn't know he'd been in an accident. And so when he gets home later and he comes up the drive and I'm standing by the front door, I'm like, why are you limping? And oh he's God. like, accident too. We're just like, this is nuts. But anyway, oh. I don't know what that means, but we... Oh. <laughs> definitely had a good long cry and uh called our insurance company who had the nerve to ask if um we had a domestic violence dispute oh we had like crashed into each other in the same intersection and we were like no like this is what happened and they're just like (laughs) they really didn't believe us we're like it was on the news you can (laughs) (laughs) i guess that's the upside for insurance purposes wow well okay so like the 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 part where like you decide that you're not ready because you're the parent now is was I was crying too but like you you had like your mom tell you to go back your dad tell you to go back and like now you were the parent and you had to be there for your kids and know it was oh I love that yeah it's uh it's so strange. Each time was 
so similar but so different the only thing I guess the the consistency was was being pain-free <laughs> when I've talked about it it's like it made me realize how like as humans we chase these moments of joy mm. and like having no pain and the older I get I'm just like oh like stuff hurts now right. but I've been acutely aware of that since my teens because that coming back into an earthly body was associated with so much pain right I like I like the take that you just had on it about how like my mother was there parenting me my father's there parenting me and then me being there I'm not I'm not sure I've thought it about it in those those exact terms before yeah it's nice telling your story I mean in the way that you're doing it you know it's it's kind of nice like revisiting things because I think you and with different people you kind of like get new things because you're in a different place when you tell them you know yeah it feels oh I don't know if it's older or wiser but you just learn things like now we're two months in yeah January 10th my grandmother but who I who I grew up calling mother oh passed away oh honestly for like a month we have a very complicated relationship but I loved her and I know she loved me and, and she did absolutely the best that she could. And she also lost her daughter, right? Who yeah. was a very young age and then suddenly had this baby to take care of. And there's a lot of circumstances, but navigating her loss as like the mother figure I did know, but was also the connection to the mother I did know. I'm sorry, like, you, you, you must have already thought about this, but it just occurred to me that your mother died in a car crash. Yeah, but you must have said that, but it's sorry, it, it's like the the repetitive knitness was like just yeah. hit me. Okay. Sorry. That was the moment, right? In rising <laughs> up, it's just like so my mom dies when I'm six months old and my kids are now Yeah. They were like one and four, I wanna say, when that happened. And it that's what stopped it. Yeah. It no, no, but like the death, yeah, but like the car, like that's that's weird. <laughs> Well, technically, she was on my, my actual mother was on a moped. Oh, I see. Okay, but motor accident. Yeah, okay. motor vehicular. Motor vehicular. Okay, sorry. Yes, but so she lost. Yes, your your maternal grandmother lost her daughter. Yeah, and so just thinking about that now, I was like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. It was like almost a month after she passed and I was reading something I love it's the power of words the power of other people's experiences power of novels and this woman was talking about in the novel I was reading was talking about losing her mother and honoring her with this like sacred burial ceremony and all these things and I'm like sobbing like breaking down sobbing <laughs> my husband was just like what so what's really happening here and I'm like this perp, this wonderful sacred thing happened between these two people who were so close, and I'm like, and now I'm grieving for mm. the loss of for real. Mm. Like, did I cry at the time? Yes. Did I get upset? Did like stuff happen? But then I just like, my sister-in-law also had very suddenly passed away the oh. week before, so we were oh. just like, it was very, it's been a lot, a lot of loss of life in early 2023, yeah. and I realized I wasn't dealing with it and so mother loss applies to whenever there's like the loss of a nurturer mm. or the loss of the person who you know who was that person for you so it's making me rethink all this 
all this stuff, right? Because mm. she was my mom. But yeah. So do you have a little bit more time? Because I, I kind of want to ask you about the integration part, because we've only talked about the experiences, but like what you got out of, you know, all of this. It's interesting. Each experience came at a time in my life where I needed to make a big shift. Mm. I didn't know it at the time. And it's literally like that experience is like, wake the fuck up. Like, you know, and in the initial instance, the person that I was with was not the person that I was supposed to be with. And it took their shutdown of my experience. Don't talk about this. This is crazy. And I still continue to ignore that sign, right? This is not the right person for you. This person who's not accepting you and your experiences. Mm. It took him becoming physically violent about a year later for me to be like, oh, well, that's a clear sign. But really, the sign was there right away. And I know we all reach different levels of maturity and this and that, but I think we could, like, when people can't accept us, you know, fundamentally for, for mm. who we are. Um, it took that experience for me to like really wake up and then a year later be able to then definitively say, actually it was less than a year later, that was summer and it was by that following winter. So it was the next season. Wow, and it wow. took one incident that got way out of hand and I was like, oh, no, <laughs> bye. <laughs> so it, I think that was a warning to get out of that relationship and get, mm. get onto a path that was more helpful for, for a relationship for me. Um, with the second incident, we were living in a great place and I had a really, both of us actually had a really good job. We had bought a house, but we were spending like all of our time working and mm. not, not spending the time that I wanted to with our kids. Mm. And so we made a move that allowed us to like spend a little bit more time with our kids not have to um commute as far not have to spend as much time with babysitters and, mm. and this and that kind of was a little bit more of a reinforcement with the third um incident as well but after the third incident it was like no you really have to fundamentally change what you're doing where you're living i decided to go back to school i was like ended up going into art school becoming a yoga teacher getting back in touch with what it was I really wanted to do in this life as opposed to like, well, this is the good job that I have. So I have to just stick with it and kind of get through these times. And then for my husband, him just, he's always been obviously very loving and supportive of me, but sort of seeing what I'm going through and, and supporting me and saying, we're not going to just ignore this or pretend it didn't happen. Mm. And seriously, like each time, we would like move house, move city, move town, move job. Like we have to, you know, replace all the pieces. And mm. ultimately we ended up in a place where we could be less than a half an hour from work, have our kids in minimal daycare when they were outside of um, school and spend more time together because we weren't <laughs> commuting for two and a half hours twice a day. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So you moved to San Francisco when at this in this story? That would have been hold on. 
Well, so after that accident, that final um, accident happened, we ended up moving from Calgary back to Toronto. Mm. When we moved to Toronto is when I decided to enroll in art school. That was like four years. Then I also did yoga teacher training kind of simultaneously with doing my mm. master's going back and forth. It was a part-time MFA program. So I'd spend the summers in San Francisco and part of the winter oh, okay. and the rest of the year in Toronto. And then I do the yoga teacher training. So yeah, from like 2005 through 2013 okay. was that whole period. And then, yeah, in 2013, so my husband's family is actually American and we'd long ago applied for, you know, being able to move to the U.S. And weirdly, like two months after I graduated from <laughs> SFAI, they were like, so you want to come for an interview? <laughs> like, two, and it's been like 15 years in the making. Like it's not, it didn't Whoa. happen. Wow. Like, the legal way is like, for sure, more than a decade. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. But the timing was so strange, right? After graduating from school. And I don't know if it was schooling that had to do with it. I don't know. I don't know how it works. But we had the interview and I was like, okay. I started applying for jobs and found one like pretty much right away. <laughs> and then, um, teaching art and teaching yoga. And then um, he also started applying for jobs. Got like, And so, yeah, we've been in the U.S., ever since it's been 10 years now oh wow that's cool <gasps> my my brother and his now wife just had to well they'd been going through a whole visa mess because she's she's commonwealth she's from new zealand so they were hanging out in canada during the pandemic and you know i mean i guess it's bureaucratic anyway but like everything was shut down or just very slow during the lockdowns so they were based they were kind of stuck there for two years and um yeah, they're back in, they're actually back in San Francisco. They live in San Francisco. Right. Yeah. Well, I love you mentioned that you grew up living in France. So growing up, my, my grandmother's father, my great grandfather, Charles, was actually from France. And so oh. French at home sometimes and Flemish. And then in school, of course, in Canada, you learn um, French too. But I've like always wanted to hear more about your time in France. <laughs> Oh, wow. So you speak French? I do. I'm rusty. But oh, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I grew up with it, but I, I, my proficiency sort of stopped around high school because that's when I stopped like studying with it. And yeah, but I mean, still, it's still a skill that I, that I possess. My time in France, you know, it, in retrospect was so, um, beneficial to me and what I ended up doing but in the lived experience of it it was not what I would call a joyful experience um mainly just because of like my family situation it really didn't have much to do with France at all so now I go back and I'm like oh so pretty the food's so delicious you know but like I wasn't noticing any of that when I was there <laughs> it's it's fun works with yeah <laughs> I feel like to everybody who's never been there or doesn't know it it's like it just sounds like the most glamorous amazing I know thing. I know your life you're like well <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean no matter where you grow up it's not vacation right <laughs> so we're hoping to go this, this year later this summer I've never oh cool do you know where you'll go 
Well, yeah, probably Paris and and, and London. That's the the plan. Mm-hmm. Just not too 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 far apart. Yeah. But other than flying, I've flown through Heathrow once last year, but didn't actually see anything of. <laughs> all. But I love traveling. Love, love, love traveling when I can. And like everybody else, right? It's been <laughs> like hiatus for two years, so. And yeah. we didn't travel like with our kids when we did travel we would bring them with us mm-hmm. so we did go to some places you know when they were growing up but not a 10 because we'd always go the four of us um so now that you know they're okay. we're traveling more now as empty nesters but we, we try to make it available to them <laughs> as well or help <laughs> we genuinely enjoy spending time with our adult kids too mm-hmm. like they're 22 and 25 but like they're still two and five. <laughs> <laughs> Great. But you know, they have their relationships, their lives, their work, their school. So I love that. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Oh, it was so fun getting to chat with you and hearing about this like amazing uh, life experience that you've had. Wow. Do you think, is there anything else that, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot, but is there anything else that would come to mind and for less like, just something else that you wanted to mention so you feel like you're complete um, about anything, any takeaways or, yeah. One of the things people ask me about, like when I speak about it publicly um, or I will meet people in public sometimes who, who read the book and they're like, hey. Oh, neat, that's cool. But everyone's <laughs> just in a restaurant right or somebody be like hey aren't you the person who wrote and they'll always ask how like how they can find those experiences in everyday life like mm. when you when you go through this like life-changing experience it's like well for a person who's looking to change their life who's like not going to try to injure themselves right to get to the point of doing that or be you know it's kind of risky and I emphasize that in everyday life, these things can still happen and to really pay attention to your dreams and your sleep mm-hmm. space because to me, it really feels like that same wavelength or when I'm doing yoga or meditating or practicing, that's the closest I can feel. Um, like when you were mentioning you're doing this new soul, what'd you say it was called? Soul, soul attunement. Soul attunement. And that's, it's that feeling like how I felt being totally pain-free, open. It's just like you can see the whole universe. It's not just your life. It's like the whole universe is before you too. And that that can be achieved in a dream state. That can be achieved in a meditative state. That can be achieved in a flow state. So whatever that is for people, right? right? If you if you get lost in writing and creating and music and like whatever that is, where you totally lose track of time. And it could be sleep too, um, mm. just to cultivate good sleep habits. Cause my parents will come to see me in my dreams too. Oh. And not very often, but when I'm like really struggling with something and I'm just like, oh, I just like want a mom or a dad. <laughs> <laughs> and they will, they'll show up. And sometimes it's them looking like them. And sometimes it's like animals. Um, but I'll know it's them. Like they'll just mm-hmm. be a sign that it's them. Um, so yeah, looking for everyday symbolism and like finding the magic in those everyday encounters and spending time in nature and being outdoors. I don't want to sound like a cliche, but honestly, 
all those things make the difference when when you're looking the signs will be oh i like that well can you tell everyone how they can find you online and uh listen to your podcast and all that and i will share the links in the podcast show notes absolutely if you were um the website for the podcast is called myyogaaudio.com and it's literally just those three uh worlds words spelled out the podcast on wherever you listen to podcasts is Maya, so M-Y-A, my yoga audio. Um, and yeah, there's, I think we're, we're at 60 episodes now. I've been hosting the show since 2020. So it initially started from a dream <laughs> to, I was just like, where am I going to practice? And I had this dream about somebody whispering in my ear what the yoga poses where I was going to do them. And so it initially kind of started with a like, I'm just going to do this for myself. Uh-huh. And then like, maybe other people would want to do this. So then I started recording it as a podcast and sharing it with people. And then I had a guest on who was talking about yoga nidra, which is like another um, kind of form of more still meditative yoga that I'm not certified in, but this person is. And people were like, oh, can you invite more cool people on there who know great things about yoga and health and wellness? So now it's mostly interviews with really cool and interesting people who like Porter here um, could be teachers, uh, musicians, creators, writers of all types. Um, there's an Instagram page for it as well, my.yoga.audio. And actually it is on TikTok too, but I haven't, <laughs> I haven't been on it in a few weeks. It's so hard to keep up with social media. <laughs> um, and YouTube as well. There's a my uh, Maya channel on there and then my my personal one um I will post about the podcast occasionally but it's usually just ramblings about me and my friends and family and dogs <laughs> is loving this life and it's at l-u-v-i-n this life uh, yeah if you're yeah. local in Sacramento I do like pop-up yoga events um sometimes on my own sometimes with other practitioners and if you if you follow along on any of those pages I was post about when that's oh happened. sweet and is there a so is there a newsletter that people can sign up for oh yeah I totally forgot I, do I know the monthly. answer to that question but see <laughs> <laughs> there is a monthly newsletter that I send out and the it's a great uh, newsletter all the good news we were talking about right there's so much good in the world um so I try to find just positive things like something really yummy that I'm eating um, something really great that I discovered, something that can help you in your life to get organized or just be inspired. I really just look more so for inspiration. Like I read something and I'm like, oh, that felt really good. Like maybe it's a photo essay or mm. um, so I just kind of collect things as as the month go along. What I'm reading, what I'm eating, what I'm watching. I try to profile an artist um, every month of, of some sort because, you know, people are out here like, doing commercial things, but like artists make the most money when we can support them directly. I interviewed somebody once who got a contract with Target and was like so excited. And then it was like, they were getting like eight cents or something ridiculous for every, but you go into Target, right? And you see their printed canvas, eight cents is an exaggeration, but it was not. Wow, okay. It was kind of really, it was really sad. <laughs> I think getting into a big, 
corporation like that and selling your work. So I'm just like, okay, we just got to buy from the artist directly. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <But. laughs> Awesome. Thank you so much, Megan, for doing this and for sharing your story. And thank you to y'all for listening. Thanks for tuning into the podcast, y'all. Please like, subscribe, rate, comment, whatever the platform you listen to podcasts on offers you as a way to let its algorithm know that you're enjoying these episodes. That really helps. Also, there's some links in the podcast description notes that allow you to support the podcast in a way that benefits you and us. So please check those out. And if you'd like to stay in touch with me, you can sign up for my mailing list at portersinger.com. We'll see you in the next episode. Bye.